And ladies and gentlemen, he's one of the all-time greats, my buddy, Mr. John Wayne. You're listening to the John Wayne Gritcast with me, Ethan Wayne. The hell I was. We're talking all about the life and legacy of my father. John Wayne. Mr. John Wayne. John Wayne is the United States of America. Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. So I found the character the average man wants himself, his brother, his son to be. It's the same type of guy the average wife wants for her husband. You know, that's what Harry Carey was telling. Like, no, this is you. You've got this. Uh, I was Keep it going. He said, uh, if you I heard saw, it was Harry um, Carey's wife. The Jack Nicholson yeah. film, uh, Something's Gotta Give, or. But I think Harry what, what Carey is the was one really that, instrumental. He, I'm sure. What if this is all there is? What's, what, how do you say that? What's the movie that says. Something's Gotta Give? Something. Not no. Something's Gotta Give. But oh, the one. It's like, what if. This is all there is, or something. I think that's the as final. Good as, it gets. As, good as good as it, as it gets. As, what if as this is as good as it gets? And there's, Jade, so there's, he all was that a writer. Wine is helping you he out. was a novelist, and he goes to his agent, and he wants to get something done with his agent. And, and this woman is, oh, I'm such a big fan of yours, and he, yeah, whatever. And, and he's trying to get away from. Her. He says, no, no, no. He says, you write women's characters. How can you write women's characters so well? He says, I think of a man and take away accountability and responsibility. <laughs> that's so awful. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way Taylor Sheridan works. No, I'm kidding. That's uh, so funny. That was a funny, awful movie. It was awful, but he is so talented. They give you thoughts of people who have really drilled down, right? And they've narrowed down great sayings or great philosophies or great lines, and they deliver them to us. And whoever was writing for Dad or with Dad, James Edward Grant, they did a great job. Yeah, Good they mother. did. What's her name? Josie Grant was my godmother. Oh, I love this woman. I God, she was superb. I don't remember her. So we're both uh, big drinkers. I, who's my godfather? Was it John Ford? He was my godfather. I know. I think, I think yours was, mine was too. You had Skip Hathaway. Skip Hathaway and I think John Ford. Blanche? Mine was Michael Wayne. I have the book. I have my baptism book somewhere. It'll have a name in there. Jimmy Grant. The thing that Jimmy Grant could do is right the way J.W. talked. He what did he write? Ch- what movies? Oh, a lot of them. I mean, uh, we have to ask the Google. Uh, Jade, how are your fingers go. doing? Duck, you okay? Duck, duck, Hondo, go. we can start with Honda. Uh, the Alamo. Hondo how about the great. line in Honda when he's saying he can smell the girl? Or th- That was James Evergrande. She's like, oh, how can an Indian smell a white I'm man. only half in yeah so I, I can smell you and then he goes through this whole thing that's <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you completely... baked bread today Angel and the Bad Man the greatest by the way oh my god what the Angel and Bad Man oh uh, the girl Russell what's did you date name? all of the leading women did I yeah no your father did, he? did I? I Gail know he Russell did. Gail Russell was like so beautiful Angel and Bad Man that's a good movie and it's a good movie and he looks like he is TV so TV handsome. In that yeah, movie. he looks great. Oh my God, he looks great in that movie. Can we talk about your Hollywood life? Woo-hoo. If you want. Yeah. Let's what was your What was let's your talk first about sex, baby. job? The Quiet Man. Talk about Rio Grande. Rio Grande. Rio Grande. Yeah, Rio Grande. And then. Um, so were you out there like at uh, Moab? Yeah, I was out there, and Ford says, "You want to be in the movie." I said, you know, what was it? Is this, will you get five bucks? I said, sign I'm me in. up. 
Sign me right up because I want to buy some firecrackers because the 4th of July is in a week. <laughs> I mean, this is easy stuff. And, and basically, I learned right off that it's child's play. It's, you know, it's play acting. Playing pretend. Yeah, play, pretend playing. I mean, my God, how much fun is that? Especially when they pay you. How old were you in Rio Grande? Nine. Oh, my gosh. Really? <laughs> or 10. Yeah, something. I think I have my 10th birthday on the film. So were you out there and then they just put you in? Yeah. Or did they take you? I had to do an audition. I had. To, I was up against 16 other people. No, they just, I was standing there. And they said, come here, we need you. I mean, I say I worked in it. It was the first time I was ever in front of a camera, but I wasn't really hired to do it. Same way with The Quiet Man. Went over to visit JW and ended up being in the film this time. Well, I had a line in the Rio Grande. I had a line in The Quiet Man. I was in The Sunshine's Bright. Did you call him Dad or JW? Dad. Or Daddy. Daddy. I called him Daddy until <laughs> he beat the crap out of me for doing it. <laughs> and then he became Pop. <laughs> I just always remember as a young girl when you and Michael would refer to him, it was like JW, 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 well, JW. And I was well, like, yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. he was their dad too. And it was Why didn't yeah. they call him dad? Yeah. Michael was so good at talking about dad. Yeah. He was really good. Yeah. There's that pretty video articulate. in the, in the uh, exhibit. In the exhibit. But and he called him JW. Yeah. He did. But I mean, just the way he, he, he worked for him. Think about this. He has to have a certain position of authority because he's the head of the thing. So he needs... He, he can't he, be saying dad. He can't be saying dad. <laughs> Daddy, To yeah, somebody I that's working that. for him. Because okay. in a sense, JW is working for him. In a sense. <laughs> in a sense, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it never was a sense because every day Mike would come home and say, you know, he just cut me off. I've got to be... Uh, I've got to do other responsibility and people just, they don't even think I'm in a position of power anymore. If I try to make a deal with somebody else, this guy's done this. These well, are the least of his problems. By the time I interacted with Michael, he's a huge John Wayne fan and protector and really loved him and had a very unique personality. Uh, I love that you guys stayed so close for... Well, that's so untrue. And, and I think I have to <laughs> tell you why it's not true. You are responsible for the fact that we all came together as a family again. There was a rift between my brother and me, Michael and me. And one Christmas, you brought us together and said, enough already, boys. And by the way, my mother tried to solve this. My sisters tried. Everybody tried to solve this. You were the one who made it possible for me to have a normal relationship with Michael and you again, because you were grown up and you wanted to have your brothers in your family. Well, I cared about you guys, and I had to trick them to get them together. You did. Yeah. I thought I, I was going to remember I this. I thought you were getting me another dog. <laughs> I thought, you know, I'm going to show, oh, God, he's gotten another dog. And I, I, I'm still feeling horrible about this dog that I just got run over by a car. And I, I you know, oh. that's so weird. I, f I forgot about this thing. Boris. I forgot that we did I didn't Boris? forget about it. Well, I. Boris? Boris died. Yeah, Boris died. Yeah. I can remember waking up here and being so disturbed that they weren't talking anymore because you guys spoke every morning. Every morning. At least. They went to church with their families every Sunday. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they woke up and they I talked mean, to each other. Every day. Right. Every day. And then that stopped. And I just remember being like 
feeling helpless and and really affected by it. It just and and I remember that day I, I had no plan. I just drove to LA and I don't remember exactly what we did, but I remember I fooled you both into showing up at the same place. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this could be really bad. But I don't know. I like wasn't thinking about that. Oh but my God. It was monumental. It was, it was, for being if, like for having different families or half brothers or whatever. And I can remember as a kid. This, I'm going to digress a little bit. When I was a kid, four or five years old, they go, hey, we got you a little sister for your birthday when I was four. And I, I didn't get that at all. Like, I was so confused. I'm like, what? I don't, like, what is uh-huh. that? Like, that would why, be me. Why would, why would we do that? And why would you do it on my but birthday? But then you guys had come down like once a year. We'd have a big family thing. And they'd be going like, oh, that's your brother. And that's your brother. And I'd be looking around just going like. How does this work? Like yeah. what? Like I'm really sure with all their kids guy. are the same age. I'm like, aren't these my brothers? Nope, that's your brother and that's your niece. I'm like, they're not my cousins. Wait a second. I mean, he's kind of kids my age. Things, boom, boom. Yeah, but thank God for that. But for all the differences and different moms and whatever, I never felt like we weren't all a one. family. Yeah, I personally didn't feel that way. Nor I. And so that's credit to you guys because. For me, you guys were there, but we were new. And Patrick, you especially <laughs> treated new. us like so well over the years. <sighs> you know, sorry about killing the bird in front of your wife and wearing her clothes and all that. But I think it caused my <laughs> divorce. But I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to give you any guilt feelings. But and that. then you know, hiring us to go do plays, we didn't know anything. Oh my god, you knew everything. Oh I just, I was telling him in, so in Texas, I found a folder. When I lived in Nashville, you know, I was trying to be a songwriter or whatever, and I found some old songs, <laughs> quotes that I had written, and there was one about Patrick and just how he was always there. He was there the day I showed up at the hospital, and he was there telling me Dad was going to die, and he took us to Amarillo, and he was just like always kind of like, not intrusive, but just like, I think you kind of stepped in whatever you need when i was 13 and just whatever you need and I, you're so much a brother but also you've just always been there for us and for the family and i love you yeah i love, I love you. you too and i'd love to do a plague and that was so much fun oh Wasn't my god fun? they'd bring that roast beef out to serve the people <laughs> and we'd carve some this fucking roast beef you know and eat this like over seasoned roast beef before we go on stage oh my goodness oh my goodness Oh my goodness! People How much talking, fun was that? Like in the front Let's row. Let's get that space well, behind the exhibit, and we all, can do in the round this, theater. The demographic, the audience demographic, was the parents of old people. <laughs> if you understand what I'm no. saying, you'd look out, and there would be an ocean of gray. But we're it's Amarillo, Texas. What do you say, Martha? <laughs> yeah, it's like they'd be asking you, "What do you say?" And you'd go like, "Oh, I'll I was repeat just it again." You. I was explaining to my brother that this was going on. You could talk to the audience. And do stuff. It was really fun. And during, then going during to this was fun. Like that was really fun. Oh, hundred percent. We're going on a plane. Are you sure you can find an airplane? Are you sure you can find a place to land this plane? It's flat. How do we it's start Texas. flying? We, we got there and you go, we got to go to Oklahoma and somewhere else and somewhere else. We got to leave now. There was like a 1972 Ford Torino station wagon that they let you drive while you were good. there. Oh, no, I had a stick that shift. That wasn't good. What? I had my stick shift with the 1 a.m. station. That's, no that's That was the, that was the floor. He's like, hey, we got to do all this stuff today. You know, It's going to take a couple hours to get to the first radio interview and the second thing. 
And I was like, why don't we get a plane? Why don't we just fly? <laughs> oh, I don't remember perfect what the country and, to fly. And, what the and I'm the picky one. And I remember going to this little airport, and the guy's like, you got a logbook, you got a license. He looks at my logbook, he goes, all right, just, here's the keys. Like, no check, check I know right that guy was weird, because that's the guy who taught me how to fly. <laughs> and we flew around. The plane wouldn't start. Remember, we had to spin the propeller. We're like, oh, it'll start once we get there. And it, and it wouldn't start again. So we, you know, we hand-propped this airplane for months on an old Cessna. And then you went and took so proud of you. You guys both soloed. Right, I mean that's a big deal, Marisa. You sold- I did it at John Wayne Airport, and <laughs> you did it like scary. in the outskirts of Texas. Not, there just, was nothing just, around me. I was nothing yeah. but flat fields. Yeah, as Texas far as I good. can see, Texas has Blue thunderstorms sky. in the afternoon, though. Yeah, you gotta watch could out. Be. I had to avoid I had a thunderstorm. Guess what? There was so and- much place to go to avoid a thunderstorm. Yeah, you just, yeah, go the other way, but. I mean, that's that's. But first of all, the first thing I remember is, I said, "You understand what he just said?" I mean, did he tell you something that we're supposed to know? And by the time I did my solo, I could understand it perfectly. Everything, yeah. And then the other thing is, looking out of a plane, I'm going like, "That's an airstrip." That's an airstrip. <laughs> There's yeah. a golf course. You learn, you hear, you see. I mean, it, it's weird. You learn about. The systems of the airplane, uh, you know, oh, motor, yeah. control oh, yeah. system, oh my god, the weather—it's a great I base of never knowledge. learned that stuff, but yeah, I just remember. <laughs> well, see what happened. I came back, and then I thought I'm going to continue flying. So I live in Burbank, and you know, I go to seven minutes away. There's an FBO there, and a guy's an instructor. I said, you know, I. I've got my solo and I want to continue. And he says, well, I got to take you up a couple of times. And we landed, we went over Whitman airport and landed there. And then we landed at Burbank at the big airport. And then he got out and he says, I want you to do some go by, you know, come down and touch down. So I go. came around and I'm looking at the, you know, the red and white lights and everything. I thought I just missed that. And I kept gunning. Well, I could have landed in four different places on this strip. It's so long. It's at Burbank. It's commercial. But anyway, I, I, I gas it. I come around the pattern again and then I land this time. And he's standing over there and he goes like this. I, I Yeah, I come over. And he says, for a minute, I thought we we're going to have to shoot you down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then, and then another day I went out and, and, and went over you go out through the pass and over where uh, Six Man. Flags was, Lake Castaic, you know, I was doing my little things and then came back at four o'clock in the afternoon. Smog, mist, haze, sun, sun, could not see anything, did not recognize anything. This is student pilot Wayne trying to, you know, <laughs> you see the plane at 11 and, <laughs> yes. and, and, and I couldn't see anything. But the four stacks at Whitman. I saw the four stacks of Whitman. I remember that airport. I went over those, found Burbank, landed the plane, never got in, <laughs> never got in a pilot seat again. It's really scared scary. The hell out of yeah, it's really it scary when me. you turn around, and you come back, and you're like, "Holy shit!" It's like IFR. Like you can it see was, down, but you can't really see anything. Yeah, well, ahead fine, of you. IFR. But I was the. I was. No, no, the, I know, but oh it's, my uh, god, it's bad for. I was so happy to get the I ground just remember again. thinking every plane I passed. Okay, I missed that one. Oh, I missed that one. I hate that. And Lydia, my instructor, she's like, you didn't miss it. I'm like, well, yeah, I, I did. I missed it because my nails would be digging into my digging, palms. Digging into And it was palms. just like 
because I hated flying. And Ethan's like, you should just take some flying lessons. You'll get over your fear of flying. And Did not work? Well, I, Yeah, it works. She flew a plane by herself. Just I like was you very I happy that. after I had done that. I'm like, I'm just going to solo. But if we, were, like, we took Lanny down to San Diego to drive. Remember we took that plane somewhere? Mm-hmm. And then you weren't. Like you were happy to be I the loved the Dutch rolls and the crabbing and all that. But, but you don't feel bad when we're in there together. Did he ever make you throw up? <laughs> Not did, flying. Did you? No, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's so good, sis. No, I mean, it, it, did you ever do aerobatics with him? No, I did them on my own. I didn't like that at all. Nah, no, no. But your no. control is better. But if you're a passenger. No, I know he. Oh, we did some negative good stuff G's. That day. Negative G's. Yeah, I'm like, but I just smells like vitamins. Are you okay? <laughs> my my morning vitamins came and out. It's tandem, you know, he's in the back, so you can't see him. We're in um, impressive Rillo, upside down, inverted spin. He gets the six sack out. I did moves throw, the microphone <laughs> and put, throws up. I did. I put it wow, all in that. And it yeah. got in there. I, wow. I'm a professional. Yeah, that's and, good. Come on, inland. Like once he's done throwing up, I'm like, it smells like vitamins in here. Just threw up. One night we're in Amarillo doing a play, and this guy comes through, and he is uh, stationed at the Amarillo Airport with Huey or what Hughes Hughes Aircraft. Oh, you got a helicopter out there? Can we come out? Yeah, whatever. And he arranges for us to fly a helicopter, and. So the guy says, well, you know, I got to say, so Ethan goes, pulls the thing up and sits there like stationary, doesn't even buzz and goes, yeah, you're okay, we can fly. And he takes this, and remember the Paladura, you know, the Grand Canyon of uh, Amarillo, and drop down into that and flying in the Paladura in a Huey long jet. Oh, oh, that was in a Bell Jet Ranger. Bell Jet yeah, Ranger. That was the, yeah. Gosh, I forgot. I forgot about all this stuff. I just remember oh, I you were talking forget. about like the air traffic and you can't understand them. Oh, and I would be like, what? <laughs> Three, two, Mike, what? And my flight instructor would be like, shh. And I was just like, no, I can't understand them. Like, what? And there, she, 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 you can't just say there what? were a couple times where she would be like, copy, can't copy. Yeah, yeah. Like, Hello, there is jargon. There is the right way to say it. She's, one time they said, put 1,200 on your transponder. And I looked at her and I was like, and she looks at me and she's like, and I put thought she was telling me, what is Squawk VFR or whatever? And I'm like, I'm going to ask the guy, what is Squawk VFR? <laughs> and she was like, ah, oh, my flight, my boss is listening. And he's like, put 1,200 on your transponder. Yeah, and I was like, one, oh, well, that's two, all you had to two. say. Like, why did you have Help to like... me. I said many things over the radio that she wasn't happy with. But I've always been told there is no stupid question. <laughs> so you have to... <laughs> yeah. No, it's good what... to ask. It's good but it still might ask. be a stupid question. <laughs> it could be a stupid question, but you're up there. By the way. No question is stupid if you're up there and you need to get down. What is Squawk VFR? Now I know. 50 years later, I know put 1,200 on a transponder, but I don't even know how to do that at this we point. We shall go flying again. No. It's been a while for me, too. I'm good. And thank you for sending me that. It has been a while. Instagram today yeah. with the plane getting hit by lightning. I haven't. Uh, do you have any uh, aircraft anymore? No. Mm-mm, you haven't got rid of You got rid of them all. It's just like uh, I used to work for a few months and then have a bunch of free time and I could have hobbies. But now I feel like work is just, by the time the week's done, I 
don't really want to do that stuff. Like, yeah. But maybe again, one day. I miss it. Sure. It's a good, great way to get around. And what about kite surfing? Kite surfing? Yeah, once in a while. Since I got Finn, I haven't done it that much. God, Finn, you're the greatest dog I ever Where's met. Where's Finn? Come here. Thank you Come for here. being Come Thank on. you for being here. We got the van. We go hiking. Come here, Finn. Finn, come. Did Duke take him? I was going to just tell you that. <laughs> oh, my God. That Duke is the most beautiful child I've ever seen. And he's a sweetheart. He's a nice kid. He's a good kid. Is he over there? Finn. Oh, my God. He reminds me so much of Anthony. That's my dog. He is? Okay. I tell you what Anthony did. So he's in San Francisco. He lives in the Marino. He's got a son, one son at this time. And the pandemic hits, and it's pretty toxic in the city. And they go and they rent a house in St. Helena in Napa Valley. And he's in the house. He extends the rent. He buys a house. He tears the house down. He's building a new house there. He is like... Never going in back to San Francisco. Wow, I've driven through it. Oh my God, it's God's country. And you know what's, what's cool about that area is I always want to live rural, but I like having a cappuccino in the morning. <laughs> and I don't do mind it getting here. some, right. you know, some this good is some food serious snacks. Stuff. But there, oh, it's they rural have living they have with, the, with the best of everything. The best of everything in rural. I wouldn't in call rural. it super rural. No, I mean, it so isn't good. because, but I mean, he lives Ooh. with a vineyard in front Smell and a vineyard in My back. Dogs here? Jade, what do you got? Come on. Don't let us wander like this. Okay. So, I have a couple of fun questions. This well, let's better be fun or I'm going to slap you so hard you're not going <laughs> to. It's funnier when you yell at me. Right? I we can know, actually I laugh Because you know, I'm you? messing with yes. you. Okay, so if they made a movie about John Wayne's life and your family's life, who would you want to play you? Anyone. Oh, that's a good Me question. Or, or my dad. I like that. And I can actually all of you. Ah. I can tell you who I think for him, but you go ahead. Well, I would want Bridget Bardot in her youth to play my sister. All right. I could go I could go there. <laughs> yeah. So is my sister. Mm-hmm. I used to get Bridget Fonda all the time when I was skinny, yeah, Bridget skinny Fonda, and blonde. Didn't I say Bridget Fonda? Hockey was Bridget Fonda in... I didn't what's mean the, Bridget. I meant Bridget Fonda. No, the one with Samuel Jackson and what's the actor? Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. Is it an actor? Jack, no, Jackie Brown was the movie. Yeah. Uh, with who the, was the actor? Who's the star Jackie Brown? No, the woman is uh, Foxy Brown. Is um, Oh, I did it. I did a show with her. Jackie Brown, Jackie Brown. I got to tell you, wait. I'm going to come up with it. Um, the, her sister and her Robert De Niro was shoots a football her? player. In the mall parking lot? Or She's really annoying to Robert De Niro. Her brother is a football player. Yeah, but who's the main guy uh, in that movie? Samuel Jackson, no. Robert Forster. Robert, yeah, Robert Forster. Forster. He was great. And who's the girl? Pam Greer? Yeah, Pam yeah. Greer. Her brother, Ro- Rosie Greer. Robert Forster and Pam Greer. Okay, so I did the show. I did this show for uh, Hugh Wilson. Reed's uh, Tim Reed had a show called Frank's Place or something like that. And I, <laughs> so the 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 scene is there. He had a restaurant. They're going to shoot a movie in the restaurant, and I was playing the actor in the movie for the restaurant. And I am so Hollywood. It's like you know, oh god. 
And Pam Greer is opposite me. She has the scene where I say something to her and she slaps me. <laughs> and they do 32 takes. Oh, my God. Stop it. Huh? And you loved everyone. You're like, okay, I'm going to fuck this she's up not, again so that I can get it. She's not a little woman, right? No, Pam Greer is some serious shit. And cut, take, bam, cut, tape, and they kept going, boom, bam, boom, bam. Because <laughs> the director's going like, this guy is such an asshole. <laughs> we are going to kick the shit out of this boy right now. Oh, my God. God. What movie was that? No, it was a TV show, episode of a TV show called Frank's Place. Or, yeah, Frank's Place. Tim Reed. I Anyway, all, you know, Let's Hugh Wilson did all these TV shows with people from KCRP or KRP or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, WKRP. WKRP, yeah. thank you. In Cincinnati. Yeah. In Cincinnati. Ohio. I don't know so where is I... Is that Rosie Greer's daughter? Sister? Sister. Sister. Pam okay. Greer's wow. sister. And by the way, if you see a picture of her, she looks as good today as she looked then. I wouldn't say she looked good but i mean she 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 is she's a handsome okay woman. Yeah, handsome so handsome we're handsome. gonna go back to who do you want to play you in the wayne family well, i was gonna go gene hackman for john wayne love gene hackman love him for john wayne yeah i mean we're getting up there in age but god i think russell crowe would be a good one too silence all around no he's, he's great he's, he's great I he's, like everything he, saw, he does. And you know he would but deliver. But Gene Hackman's like... Gene Hackman would be the stature, ideal. Yeah. The physical stature of the person yeah, has and, to be and, something you know, significant. He carries he's himself not like in a big he would guy, just, is he? he Gene Hackman's a big it. guy. Is he? Yeah, Russell Crowe I don't think is that big. I mean, he's what? heavy now, but... He can be heavy, he can be thin, he loses weight. He's he great, he's just heavy. But he tends to do that, but he can also lose the weight. Did you know one of your favorite books, Master and Commander... Did you see that movie? Yeah, he was so he good. Was great in that movie. I, everything he's yeah. in, I, I want to watch. Yeah, I, I Russell Crowe or Gene Russell Crowe. Crow. And Russell Crowe did a thing where he he was he went to Gallipoli to find his sons that died uh, in there. He was what do you call a water diviner in Australia? He had oh yeah a yeah, witcher, yeah. water witch, and he went to find his sons, and one was still alive. He's great. No, he's all his L.A. Confidential. L.A. Confidential. What about the one where he's the reporter? Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, so good. Yeah. I mean, everything he's done is great. Who do you want to play you? Chris Pine. Oh, He's your godson, right? Yeah. Yeah, good, good one. He's your godson? Is he? Chris Pine? Chris Pine is? I don't know if he is. He <laughs> could be. <laughs> or his sister. You his tell me. Father played my dad on. I know Buzz. Yeah, Buzz. Well, Robert Pye was your dad. He played my dad on the soap, and yeah. then he played and, a uh, sergeant on Adam Twelve. He did what on Adam Twelve? He 12? played something on Adam Twelve too. We worked. We worked oh, he did. Yeah. Okay, it's funny. Well, Pino, by the way, the great story about one Adam Twelve when he'd come from Newport, he would had a series up here. He'd come up and he'd stay with me. What, what, can I translate? At one point in the early nineties, <laughs> I had a television series called The New Adam Twelve. I lived in Newport. Patrick lives right by Universal Studios in Toluca Lake. I was able to go stay with Patrick when he had to work. Film. So one morning we get up and we're having breakfast. He says, I'm going to work. I said, Do you need me to move my car? He says, No. And he walks out the front door and they were shooting right in front of my house. Stop the, like it. the location was the house across oh my the street God, from Patrick. Perfect. George Fanity. George Fanity. Yeah, fair. George Fanity was directing. And a guy named Chuck Bale. 
I love uh, Chuck Powell. Gave me the book Each Man in His Time about Raul Walsh's life, where he Your talks about it all comes John full Wayne. circle. Did Chuck Powell die? Is I he, don't know. Can you Google Chuck Bale? What, what a nice guy. He told me, you know, your car, I had a Sprinter. And he says, you know, your car is still out there after Everett Creech died. And I was able to get my car back. Oh, I, really? I didn't know what happened oh, to cool. it. Oh, cool. I feel like you could be John Michael Glazier. What? Oh, my God. He First of all, Who's I that? mean, when no, he was am I, young. Am I thinking the right person? Yeah. Who am I thinking of? Yeah, he's right, but oh, he's you, old. Is that Starsky and Hutch? You got to find, yes. Is yes, that Starsky and Hutch? Yes. Yeah. It, anyone dead or alive can play. And oh. what age? I think I'll pick Marlon Brando. <laughs> Ethan. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but That's none of these people funny. are, I mean, we, we got to find some. I mean, Justin Bieber, I if you got to get a live guy. <laughs> For you or Ethan? Doesn't matter. Doesn't really matter. For me, I want I'll Miley Russell Cyrus. Crow. Russell Crowe can play me. Myra, was, Miley Cyrus. You know, I, I just found dad. out the day she was gay. <clears throat> what? I just found She's out. She's got like the hottest husband in the world. Not anymore. They're not married no more. Oh, they did again? But they always no, get back together. No, she's with a chick now. Well, let me tell you something about the Cyruses. Well, so I, I guess that made you to New York gay. to go to the licensing show. And I was traveling with somebody. And I think it was Billy Ray Cyrus was in that little lounge. Mm-hmm. And we didn't, get the, we didn't get seats together. And he was in a seat that would put us together. And without saying, like, we didn't ask. I'm like, no big deal, whatever. That's fine. Like, nothing. And he arranged it so that we could sit together. Yeah. And he took another seat. So, and I didn't know him. I, like, I didn't talk to him. He just sort of did that all on his own. He is Billy Because he wanted to be with you? No, he just wanted me and, and, and uh, the other person to sit together. Like, we were traveling together yeah. and he was traveling alone. And we didn't ask for the seat to be changed. This is before we even got to the plane. We we're like, are our seats together? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay. And so he switched seats so you could yeah. be together? Yeah, and oh, he did that nice. all on his own. And he didn't know me and I didn't know him. Huh. It looked just totally right He could have been doing it for Charlie Manson. I, made, for I met him you. once. We prayed together. You what? <laughs> A friend of mine was opening for him and had no clue who I was, but I was backstage and we went in the circle and prayed and he went out and sang. Mm. Do you have a favorite line you've ever delivered on screen? <laughs> Quick, Carl. Remember that? Uh-uh. From Marathon John. Oh, gee. I'm a Christmas. confident oh, heterosexual. Good. I know. The candy bar is good. I thought the commercials were great. The you, one, never, you can never eat a marathon bar too quick. Carl. Carl. I thought it was great. I remember it to this day. <laughs> Wow, that's that's uh, wrestlers. That's probably not his best line, but it's an obscure. Oh, yeah, line. I had the best line that's ever been in any movie. I'm a lawyer, you idiot. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that, that was from Russell's Rhapsody. I was doing something for one of these cancer lunches auxiliary. They had Kelsey Grammer. I read the whole thing, the resume warning, and now, please welcome Kelsey Grammer. And he comes up, and I start to walk off, and he grabs me, and he goes, come back here. You had the greatest line that was ever said in movies. I'm a lawyer, you idiot. Oh, my God. Made my day. You were, That's what you were not at the exhibit, but some people came through, and they were talking about Wrestler's Rhapsody, and that's why I... It was in my. That's it was so fresh funny. in my brain, but they were. That's funny. They were talking about Tom Berenger, and maybe they knew him or something. But 
was pretty funny. And someone was standing there, could have been your mom, and they were like, what's that movie? And I'm like, oh, Patrick plays a confident heterosexual, but he's no, a bad a confident, guy. I'm not heterosexual, but a confident. But anyway, the Rustler's Rhapsody, you can't do movies a little like background of the story. They're filming this movie, Hugh Wilson, my buddy G.W. Bailey, Tom Berenger. They shoot the scene. They shoot my part of the scene with this other actor they've hired. They get the dailies back. They don't like it. They don't like it at all. And they're ready to move from location. This is, you know, and, and they're going like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And G.W. Bailey says to Hugh Wilson, what about Patrick Quinn? And they're going like, do you think he'll do it? They said, well, you know, whatever. So i coming back. I had just come back from Japan. My agent sends the script over on a Monday. You know, I read the script and I go, oh, my God, this is a great scene. And he says, good, because you're leaving tomorrow for Spain. I left on a Tuesday. How do you remember the day of the week? Well, I mean, it, because it was all finished in one week. I worked on Wednesday and Thursday and came home Friday. Wow. I, I was there for fewer days than three weeks. And the reason I came out early is because we had a poker game and I, I beat the shit out of everybody. I took all their money and Hugh Wilson said, get him the fuck out of here. We don't need him anymore. I think. I don't know. But anyway, I was done with the part. It was like bang, bang, bang. They did all my scenes. And the reason that they did it so fast is because the only reason they were there is to reshoot these scenes. They'd done everything else. So you know, they, they reshot these scenes. So much fun. Can we find it on Netflix or Prime Video? Or oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and Celia Ward, uh, Mary Lou Henner. Celia Ward works a lot. She does. She's a good worker. She's a good actress. And so she came to one of our luncheons at the Kansas Clinic. She goes, look, oh, you know, I'm going like, Celia, we work together. She, oh, I didn't know you remember. I'm going, how can I forget? Aww. You know, it was great. I got a question. You got a favorite movie? Like, not John Wayne or anything, but like, what's a movie that you just love? Ah. Sons and Lovers, I think, is the one. Sons and Lovers? Yeah. Write that down. Let's watch it. Who's in it? I can't remember. I just remember I really like that movie. I've never even heard of it. I love finding like little stories that are great that you just enjoy. Pride and Prejudice? I don't know. It's another movie I really liked. I've done several times, but this was with um, Kira Knightley and James McFadden. Pride and Prejudice with Kira Knightley. Yeah. Who was your favorite coworker? Male, one answer. Female, the other answer. So two categories. Wow. Well, Ethan Wayne and Come Blow Your Horn and Marisa Wayne and Alone Together. You can have an on-screen answer and an off-screen answer. Alone yeah. Together. Honest to God. So Jane Seymour, without a doubt. And then second place is Stephanie Powers. Wow. Oh, Stephanie Powers. Ouch. Well, I didn't do a movie with you. No. I was saying I was if I was Stephanie. Okay, Stephanie Powers and then Jane Seymour. <laughs> yeah, it's a very it was a tie. Yeah, it's a tie. If you could make a buddy movie with anyone, who would it be? That's good. I love Buzz Pine as a guy, and you know we worked in the Bears and I. He was in the Bears and I. He was, yeah. Wonder, he wasn't there when you were there. He came up the next summer. Wow. 
He came up the next summer, and first day, you know, we go in there. Now, these bears that were little cubs, now they're they're 250-pound bears. But I've seen them over the winter, and I spent time with them, all this stuff, so they knew me. And I said, Buzz, these are the bears. And they bit the crap oh, out no of Oh, shit. Yeah. And then another day, we had a day off, and we were driving for some reason out of where we were staying. And, and then I saw, you know, like— uh, Voin Purdue and a bunch of Indians over here. And so I said, Oh, we should, you know, we should pay our respects to them and everything. They were having a funeral. They were oh burying gosh. an old guy that I knew that had died, you know, over here. And they also had been drinking. And they go like, Dig. You know, but but like with anger and venom and everything and white man dig. And Buzz and I took a shovel, you know, and we're digging a hole, we're digging a hole like that. And Buzz goes, Wayne, and I look over, he's got a skull. He's got no a skull way. and his shovel. And I go, Voin, Voin, there's somebody here. He says, yeah, I know, it's another guy, but it's so beautiful here and everything, we're gonna put him in. Oh my God, you know, it's amazing stuff. Wow. What about G.W. Bailey? I felt like you guys had a good. Would love to work with G.W. again. He's one of my like coolest friends and I haven't talked to him in 10 years and I'm sorry to say, I got to track him down again. Or Tom Selleck, you've worked with some Come pretty on. fun. Next one. Who do you think your dad's favorite co-star was? You know, these are the worst questions that anybody. <laughs> I'm joking <laughs> you. I'm kidding you. These I think... were solicited, I think, from the Yeah, these poll. are like who? They, they, they had a poll on like the Instagram, like, what do you want to ask oh, Patrick I'm Quinn? Oh, ki I'm kidding her. Yeah, I'm, I'm joking. I love to mess with you. Who his favorite star would be? Well, he works a lot with Maureen O'Hara. Maureen O'Hara had to love him because Maureen O'Hara looked feminine opposite him because she's a big woman. If she worked with like Richard Woodmark or something, she would like dominate him. Is that bad to say? No. No, I oh. felt I all casting, you know, that she was all always casting a very strong lady. He's a strong super leader, and Hell she's right. a strong female lead to, yes, to right. play opposite him. And she needs to be feminine. She Did you to... know Victor McLaglan very well? So, well, I met him on the movie and spent a lot of time with him and loved the hell Wow, out. I would have loved to have met oh that guy. Oh, my God, what a character. What a superb character. How I about, mean, was Richard Boone a nice guy or not a nice guy? Oh, the greatest. Really? Yeah. Well, then he must have just been mean to me as a kid just what to be What about Bruce set. Dern? He was like, I, I didn't tell you, Bruce. Richard yeah. Boone... I, I thought he was the devil. I can't stand either one of those guys just you know, from their on-screen. Pull your hair or put tape on your hair. Like he just did well, a bunch like, of stuff. He would like, never mess with me. And plus I did Paladin where he was a nice guy. So he was, uh, you know, different dude. He was good in Paladin? Yeah, he was a good guy, yeah. Have gone, will travel, he's a card of a man. <laughs> what about Ward Bond? My Uncle Ward. He was family. I don't think I knew him. I don't think I ever met him what year did he die do you remember don't know uh he I was mean, grown up i know it was before i was born i wait i want i want to tell you some like more stories going about on ward 15 hours ward was you know he worked in hondo he worked in uh, i worked with him mr roberts i worked in longer line i worked in i don't know how many films as searchers ward was not only an you know an actor but he was like a friend of john wine's and a friend of john ford's but they were so mean to him. You know, I saw a picture one time with my dad and John Ford, and they had a picture taken at the rear end of a horse. 
and the caption underneath is, I wonder what Ward Bond's doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way they treated him. This is the but way they treated John him. didn't John Ford kind of treat people like that in he general? He did. He did. He did. He, he was, uh, you always went to the set wondering, is it going to be my day? Is it my turn? But I was his godson, and as it turned out, I never was put in the barrel, but it didn't matter because every day I went to the set, I'm thinking, this could be my day. I got to be really careful. One day we were on The Searchers. Jeff Hunter is on the set, and he's going, <laughs> you know, he's, he's on the set whistling, and, and Ford comes up behind him, and he says, who is whistling on my set? It's bad luck and blah, 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 like this. And, you know, this kid froze, turned white, the color of these light faces. I love it. I'm going to do that next time someone whistles in my house. <laughs> oh, my God. He was, I mean, everybody was like, you just were scared to death of him. And, I mean, he worked, he was an amazing director. Can I digress yes, to tell a story yeah. for it? What he was amazing at, he was an amazing cinematographer. He was amazing, like, staging, putting people in place, putting a scene together. You, you know, when he put people in a room and he staged them here, you go like, oh, my God, this is, it's just, it's like an art form. He had this instincts that were so incredible. He, he, he just knew how to photograph a scene. He knew how to photograph it indoors, and he knew how to photograph outdoors. A couple of examples on The Quiet Man, Winton Hoke was the cameraman. The weather is just so horrible in Ireland. You, know, you got five minutes of sun, 12 minutes of rain, overcast, and everything like that. And Ford, I don't know, I can't tell you how many times he said, roll a camera, and Winton Hoke says, I protest, I protest the cameraman. And the cinematographer, and they go, he would slate and he'd say, in protest, you know, the camera, in protest, he put it on the slate, I don't know, four times when I was there, and I was only there like six weeks out of the 12 weeks. Anyway, this goes on. The cameraman won an Academy Award, and he filmed it under protest. That's the way Ford works. He was so And he was brilliant. like, and he, he, he knew how he wanted the film to be shot. The way film is shot is that you shoot a master scene and then you come in and you shoot close-ups and that's what an editor has to work with. And, and, and so what Ford would do was edit the film while they were shooting. He wouldn't shoot a complete master of the whole scene. He would shoot what he needed to get in and out of the master and then he would come in for his close-up. So when an editor got the film, I mean, he just had to put it together the way Ford already cut it in the camera. It was, that's the way he operated and then he would direct you in a scene and tell you, this is the way I want it done. And then he would keep doing the scene until you did it the way he told you to do it. You know, I was a kid. I grew up. That's I, that's the way I thought every director worked. That's the way I would work. I mean, he'd tell me to do it. I'd do it the way he told me. And then I was doing Cheyenne Autumn and Ricardo Montalban, who had you know history of work and everything. And Ford's telling him, directing him how to do a scene and all this stuff. He says to me, he goes like, I hope he knows what he's talking about because I'm just doing what he's telling me to do. <laughs> he's not bringing anything to the character except what Ford's telling him to do. But that's, you know, he's, that's the way he works. That's, that was Ford. He must have had it in his head exactly what he wanted. Oh, like he, he saw did. it. Oh, he did. He saw it. And, you know, I mean, he's got a body of work that reflects. Yeah. No doubt. Amazing stuff. Yeah. 
And he started in silent film, right? Sure. They didn't have sound for him to work, but didn't didn't slow him up. Wow. I want to go back and watch some of his films. So, the, what's the film that he won? Victor McGlagan got an Academy Award for the The, the Informer. Informer. That was John Ford, right? Yeah. Yeah. What a crowd! What a crowd to be around. Crazy. You have obviously seen technology and film change a lot in your life. But the biggest change would probably be if John Wayne was here, social media. So how do you think his career would be changed in this time? It's so hard to figure that social media is how he would uh, weigh into that. I think he would reject CGI. I I just don't think it would be something he would uh, be involved with. It's tough because social media is another form of communication, right? So it's a quick, easy way to communicate with a lot of people. The problem is the algorithms that drive social media forward. It goes back to the dollar. The dollar is the god. So these algorithms are created to create dissent and to because dissent creates more clicks and more engagement. So the algorithm is designed to get everybody on opposite sides of things and, and arguing about things, right? Yeah. And that's a problem. So I don't know, just like anybody else would go like, hey, this is a crazy, There's there's got to be some other way to make money. Like, why do we have to make money the worst? Doing it, doing it the, way, the, worst the worst way for our society and we as a people to interact with each other. Why is that how we're monetizing this? There's so many other opportunities to monetize this. Why choose this? And they've got a lot of money and they've got a lot of power. And so maybe he would be a spokesperson to say, hey, this is silly. This is not the right way to do it. This is bad for our country. Like, sure, you're making a lot of money. You can make enough money doing it a different way. Come on, boys, let's go. Chris Kardashian is attractive, but come on. (laughs) I think he would have found a way to, like, be the best at social media without getting into the fodder. I don't know that he could again, avoid that. It's driven by I the algorithms. Think, right? I don't think he'd avoid that. He's he's not afraid of a fight. He is going to stand up for what he feels. What he won't sink to is to treat this other person opposite him with a different way, with anything but decency. I mean, he's not going to slam him. He's not going to call him names. He's going to treat him with respect. And I don't know how that works in Which social media. Which is more media. respect than he's been given over the last few years. No question. No question. Definitely, he would always treat a man with dignity. He would never, ever take somebody down. He had respect. Except his in, son, Patrick. Well. <laughs> well. It's I, I different. Only on 11 occasions. It's difficult. I think as defending himself, he would just be like, I don't care what they say, but if they said anything about me or my brothers and sisters or my children, I think it would be pretty hard for him to restrain himself. I know as far as I'm concerned, you can say all you want about me, but when people started attacking him or if they go in on my family, my like gills come out. Like what's that dinosaur where it's like, like That's a velociraptor. That's a very attractive look. I'm a velociraptor. That was a very attractive look. I like that. She could be. Forget the T-Rex. I'm the one that's like. I thought I was scary. She is so much scarier. Who, Jade? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right do you want to wrap it up i don't blame, yeah i mean he was like instrumental for the green berets i know 
Yeah, there's a handful of folks. So the thing that was amazing about the movie is that this film was made in a period of time when this whole Vietnam War was totally polarized in our country. I mean, there were so many people against the war and for the war that it just it was a bad taste. And these poor guys had come home from the war and people had spit on them. And they were just doing what the country asked them to do. You know, it was, it was it was horrible for these guys. And my dad went to Vietnam and he met these people and he said, I'm going to make a movie about these guys. Fuck what public opinion is. I don't like it that much. And they went like, yeah, that's we respect that. Did you like working in that one? Yeah, I mean, I did. I mean, we were in a horrible place. I mean, Columbus, Georgia is like the worst place on the face of the earth. But guess what? You know, these crazy helicopter pilots who come home from Vietnam and they be, come to Columbus, Georgia. And at lunchtime, I would go up with them and we would go like helicopter and we would fly over these Vietnam villages that were set up at, the, at Columbus, at Fort Benning. And I'd fire an M60 outside of it with tracer bullets. I'd just walk them right up to the targets and everything. I felt like the meanest killer in the whole wide world. There was a, a colonel who was head of the jump school. He would take these kids up. They all had to do parachutes out of there. And he went up and he came out and he parachuted out and his first chute didn't open and the reserve didn't open. And he crashed, but he lived. You know, he, he walked away from it. And he went over to where they were packing the chutes. You know, there was 20 of these people here playing. He said, pick it up, whatever you're packing, pick it up. He took him into the airplane and made him jump out of the suit they were packing. <laughs> I know. I mean, all of this crazy stuff is going on while we're there making a movie. Oh, my God. I heard that they're like, I have so like, much teenagers now, they can't wait to get away. I was hoping you would take for They're just like, She told um, me from the get-go, I cannot hang out. She's wild, well, I assume so, but I'll tell you what they did do is those people packed the hell out of them very carefully after that with the thought that they may be using them if this guy ordered them to use them to jump out of a plane. I mean, the reason they didn't work is because they mispacked it. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I jumped out of a plane in Hawaii. I, first of all, I was doing an episode of Charlie's Angel. And I'm driving to work one day. It's a Thursday afternoon. And I, I'm sitting in the front seat. And there's a book on the seat. It's a skydiving book. I said, oh, you're a skydiving? He goes, man, you should come out with us on Sunday. I'm going, no, I, I just was you know, curious. Sunday morning, this guy calls me at 6 in the morning. Hey, we're going to the north side of the island. We're going to jump out of the plane. It's pouring down rain outside. He said, no, it's going to be great. You got to come. I was like, I don't know. Felt like I was forced to go into this thing. It's something I wouldn't do, but I didn't know how to get out of it without being, oh, you're such an asshole. You know, I didn't want to, you know, whatever. It's like I went with it. And we go over to the north side of that, and it's raining over there. And we go through 
training class with 17 people. They teach you all this stuff, which basically scares the shit out of you. It's everything you can go wrong all the time. And they're talking about all this stuff, and it's raining outside, and they're talking and raining, talking and raining. I'm going like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, okay. They get to the last thing, and it stops raining, which means that we're going to go up and jump. I've, I've been kind of half paying attention because it's raining. So he goes, Wayne, come with me. I, you know, I was like one of the first people to do the last thing, and he says, the four of you, come with me, Wayne. I'm going like, well, what, who's going to teach this? Somebody else will teach them. You come with me. This is the jump commander thing, you know. Pick out a chute, you know, from a pile of chutes. This is the real set. We get over to a plane. There, there's uh, two other guys and myself and this jump master. He tells the other two guys again. He says, when you get in last, because you're jumping first. It means I don't get to see anybody. I don't get nothing. You know, I don't know. So we get in the plane. We take off. He's sitting there. I'm going like, remember, too, the things come up. The wires twist. I'm, I'm saying all this stuff out loud. He goes, forget it, Wayne. You'll remember. Don't worry about it. So I'm doing it in my head. I have a, a reserve chute on my stomach. I have a back there. We're going on. I'm going through this stuff. And he yells, door! The guy, and I nearly popped my shoot on this. I swear to God, I almost popped my shoot out of the thing. You pop your what? Shoot. I'm wearing a parachute. I'm going to jump <laughs> out of a plane. And I would have killed everybody. I would have killed everybody. They open the door, and I'm sitting right here. You know, I, I reach out like this, and, you know, the wind pulls back. And, so we finally circle up. Now, we have been uh, in a training ground, which is like three football fields of grass. We're in a plane now. It looks this big. When we get up, and I look down. It's this big. It's, there's nothing. We're up there. So he says, go out there on the thing. And I work my way out there. And I'm looking back. And he goes, smile. <laughs> he says, jump. And I did. I don't know why I jumped. I go, wallop like this. And it's like wind is roaring and this and that thing, but I'm on a static line and my chute opens up. And so all of a sudden the parachute opens up and it's quiet. And there's a walkie-talkie here and he goes, Wayne, you look good up there and everything. And he said, pull over to the right and look over there and pull over. And it was the most beautiful thing you can imagine. The green uh, sugarcane fields, the water, the white caps breaking, the beautiful beach. And I'm looking at all this stuff, and I'm pulling, and my says, pull here, I pull there, I pull here. And it seems like nothing. I mean, all of a sudden, I feel like I'm not ever going to get to the ground. And all of a sudden, it starts coming up pretty quick. And he goes like, pull both hands like this, and wallop, I land. And he landed me in a, an area the size of this table was gravel. This thing was all about guiding me into this thing. And he dropped me in this thing like this. The next 17 people, every one of them landed in the gravel. Wow. So he was like the best teacher ever. I mean, these guys knew what the shit they were doing. I mean, it's like boom, 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 bow, you know, like this. So the third guy in my plan, he was a return guy who had come on another day, and it rained all day, and he never got to run. So it was a rain check. So he's coming back to do it. I jumped, the next guy jumped after me, and the third guy goes like, I'm not jumping. 
And the guy goes like, get out there. You got to jump and everything. He said, I'm not jumping. I'm not jumping. And the guy says, okay, come here. And the guy started back and he shoved him out of the plane. <laughs> he shoved him out of the plane. Because he couldn't let him back in the plane or they would have killed everybody. I don't, I don't understand the technology. But anyway, this guy, he shoved him out. The guy didn't have to do anything because it was a static plane. and pulled the thing out. And he was one of the that <laughs> in the gravel, too. One, there was a little gal, a Japanese gal, who weighed about 80 pounds. And she came in and said, pull both my legs. And she hung over the gravel and she <laughs> said, release, release. I mean, she was like, oh, my God. It was so much fun. I would have jumped again that day. It was amazing. Never in my life will I ever do it again. Never. I will never, ever, ever do it again. I got a certificate for my 30th birthday, and I would have gone, and I didn't. And then I was like, I don't even like flying. I mean, there you go. Why would I jump out? I, I went because I was I was challenged into it by these Hawaiian guys on the island who were like skydiving. But you you loved it. You're glad you did it. Well, I mean, the, and you've it was done it, a, right? You've jumped out of a plane. Oh uh, yeah, I've done it a few times. I did it one time. When you do it, you're excited. And you're so excited. By the time you're ready to go again, the excitement has warmed up. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. What he's saying is just hundred percent. Thank you so much for listening to the John Wayne Gritcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you like what you heard, give us five stars in the Apple Podcast app and follow us on social media at John Wayne Official. Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go.